Are you okay talking about this? Um, I'm super excited to talk about it. And I think. Right? Yeah. (laughs) I'm Scott McGrew. Welcome to Sand Hill Road. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Even as we exit the pandemic, many Americans still have not returned to work. And many of those who haven't shown up are women. Women continue to leave the workforce. Thousands more withdrew from the labor market in April. That more women say they're intending to leave their jobs than men. The Women in the Workplace report says when one in four women is considering leaving their job or downshifting their career because of the pandemic. That report by leanin.org conducted during the pandemic found the worldwide shutdown rolled back progress women had made in the workplace and... One in four thinking about never coming back. I think over the next two, three years, you're going to see this big shift. Venture capitalist Anna Palmer of Flybridge knows the struggle. I spoke to her just days after she had her first baby. Remotely, of course, because of the pandemic. Together, we wondered if maybe, just maybe, the pandemic might encourage some of those women who used to work for someone else to create their own workplaces, their own companies. We might see, you know, this this huge sort of green shoots of women founders because of the pandemic. Correct. I think there's two things at play. So first of all, I think you're seeing a big shakeup in a lot of the institutions and society primarily relied on to make things work. So education, family, et cetera. Uh, Childcare is a big one. And a lot of those are things that primarily have impacted women um, throughout the pandemic. You can see, uh, I think one out of four women were looking at potentially either scaling back or somehow switching up their career to be able to make things work based on a recent lean-in survey. And so I think you're seeing these problems come to fruition and women are in the front row seat to be able to solve this. So I think you're going to see some really interesting things coming out of there. And then also, I think that's combined with this big question in venture capital of where are we putting our dollars and how do we do better as far as diversity and gender and inclusion and equity and all of those things. And so coming out of this, I'm actually fairly optimistic, even though the stats right now look abysmal. I think we're going to see some big changes. Those stats, I saw that lean-in study. It, it was discouraging because it basically said women have come home, tried to work, and discovered that they need to pick up 
more at home uh, and may not go back to work because of it. Correct. Uh, but I also think anytime that you have those major life shakeups, you see on the other side of that, a lot of innovation coming out of it. And so that might be the case now, but my, my optimism is really rooted in the fact that I think you know, give this six months, a year, a lot of those women might be asking themselves, wait, what do I do next? And is entrepreneurship an option? What sort of, can you, are there examples you're aware of, or is this speculation on your part that there might be, you know, companies ahead where the founding statement on the website will be, I went home during COVID, rediscovered how much I like being, you know, on my own, quit my corporate job and created XYZ Corporation. I think we're starting to see the early indications of that. So I'd seen a company the other day that was working on gaps in childcare. So thinking about how do you create virtual experiences that can keep kids engaged for parents to be able to work for two hour, three hour stretches. And that was a direct um, outgrowing of their, their own challenges there in COVID. So I think it's still maybe a little bit early, but we are starting to see some of those pitches come through. Employers find that women can do many jobs as well as men. Some jobs better. Machine operations requiring patience and accuracy attract them at once. It's possible we're going to see all kinds of societal changes. I mean, much like uh, the Second World War brought women into the workforce. Uh, and then, as my history teacher used to say, then then men came back and said, okay, you can go home now. And women said, no. <laughs> I think true. we may see, right. I think we might see, you know, big cultural shifts uh, post-COVID. I, I think we will. Um, I mean, unfortunately, the stats were that venture capital dropped for the first time in three years for female founders, as far as funding goes. Uh, end of quarter last year. But I think, like you said, coming out of it, um, we're going to see that that big shift. And hopefully, hopefully women are going to claim their place and start seeing a lot more companies coming out of this. You're doing investments in women-founded business through something called X Factor, which is kind of an offshoot of Flybridge Capital. Can you explain to me how X Factor fits into Flybridge Capital? So X Factor is what we call a community fund for Flybridge. So it initially out of an idea that Chip Hazard, one of the partners at Flybridge and I had about four years ago, um, looking at just the gap in funding for female founders and how few there were on the investing side of the table. And through that, we raised an independent fund with Flybridge being the largest LP of that to back female founders. And then that's evolved now to 22 different investing partners across six different cities. And we've done close to 60 investments so far, um, still under the Flybridge umbrella, but also we operate fairly independently as well. Now, one of the things that I struggle with as I try to understand venture is this idea of a specialized fund, money set aside to fund minority or female entrepreneurs. If their idea is good, if their company is fundable, why not bring them into the main fund? When, how does a company become an X Factor funded company or a Flybridge founded company? What's the, what's the criteria there? Obviously, uh, a woman founder has to be involved for it to be an X Factor. But what beyond that? So we're looking for really big ideas. So companies that can scale to that billion dollar market cap and beyond. For X Factor, it has to have at least one female founder 
Uh, we also do mixed gender teams as well. For Flybridge, we're looking for general, we'll do anything, but primarily we like companies that have some sort of- I guess what I'm getting at is, is I mean, all venture capital firms are looking for billion dollar ideas, right? right. That scale up quickly, you know. Uh, but w where it almost- seems like X factor is, is the girl fund. You know, I, how, how do you decide how something goes? Only women can be in an X factor, get the X factor funds. But when do you decide, no, this would better be a Flybridge capital investment. Oh, got it. Because um, so Flybridge capital investments aren't the boy funds. <laughs> right, right. Um, so we do co-invest across both. So the funds, operate, they operate independently so they can do their own decisions. Um, and our investment partners through X Factor are the ones that are bringing the deals and deciding what they want to lead. So that happens with those investing partners independent of Flybridge. And then where Flybridge fits into that is if it's a company that also matches the Flybridge thesis, we'll co-invest as well. So like example of that is there's a company, Goss, that we recently funded, which is essentially like fantasy betting for reality TV. So taking like what DraftKings was doing for sports and bringing that to reality television. And Goss was an X Factor company that we also funded through Flybridge. So there's some overlap there, but they also can be independent decisions. Having sub funds, for a lack of a better word, within a larger venture capital firm would, you know, force diversity because you would have different rules for different funds. Right. So what what really sparked this was this idea of pipeline. As you know, to be great at venture, you have to see things first to be able to make that decision. And we realized that unless you're very purposeful about creating that pipeline for those diverse founders, a lot of times you'll miss those within your network. And so when we created X Factor, it was let's take 22 just amazing women investing partners that have all scaled companies to Series A and beyond. You are in those networks with the trenches building alongside other female founders and let's give them a checkbook and open that up and say, hey, if you're building, come talk to us. And it's been amazing to see through that network. I mean, we've seen companies all the way from Venus Aerospace, which is building a hyperjet to get from San Francisco to Japan in less than an hour, uh, all the way to Tiny Organics, which is one of our recent investments where they're building um, kind of the next generation of how to go through the first couple of years of feeding your baby. So been been interesting to see just once you change that pipeline, um, the diversity of companies and, and sector of what people are building and, and visibility into that. Which kind of comes back to our original thesis that, that because of the cultural changes, because of people leaving corporate jobs and working from home, there may be more in the pipeline ahead. Correct. Yeah. And hopefully X Factor is set up to see all of those. Um, so quick, sh shameless plug, if you're a female founder building something, come talk to us. <laughs> Tell me about Electra Health. I mean, here's something that was was not addressing something that hadn't been addressed before. Correct. So this is a great example of female founders taking an idea that they had seen firsthand through their, their networks and then coming up with a solution to that. So Electric Health, Electra Health is building... Um, the, the next suite of solutions for menopause care, looking at community and content and then merging that with clinical care as well. And so really walking women through that journey. It's not something that had been particularly, I mean, obviously physicians had been addressing it, but not, not in the, in a, in a sort of a 
consumer world. Right. So their their entire program that they launched with initially was called Break the Taboo because it wasn't something people talked about. And it's been fun to watch as they've evolved of women starting to get engaged and ask questions and taking this topic that otherwise was not something people would openly discuss and becoming something that they're now talking about with their friends or Katie Couric had recently um, shouted out to the company and had promoted that as well. And so so it's been fun to see that transition as they've built that community. You are the first and and only woman partner at Flybridge, correct? I am, correct. What was that like coming into an organization that had not had a a woman partner? It's been amazing. So the backstory of that is I've had a chance to work with Flybridge in about every capacity that you can possibly imagine. So uh, my first company, they had passed on. And so I got to see what it was like to be a founder that, that they turned down. And still, you know, great relationship with them throughout that experience. And then they funded my second company. And so I got to see what it was like to interact with them as a founder in their portfolio. And then also co-investing alongside of them through X Factor Ventures and building that as well. What changes were you able to bring or what influences were you able to bring as the one and only uh, female partner? I think there's... Two. So there is the shift in pipeline for sure. So what we've seen through X Factor and once we launched that, I think when I was talking with Chip Hazard, one of the other partners, and he was looking at his deal flow, uh, there were pretty dramatic shifts between before X Factor and after X Factor. Um, and then also I think just perspective, like there's some things that you know I might have experienced in my life that they never will. Um, so if we're looking at companies, you know, focused on like you know Electra Health would be an example of that. I think I bring a different perspective to the table. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is fascinating to me that if the point of venture capital is to make money, that so many opportunities are missed simply because of the people doing the investing don't know that market. I think that's entirely right. So the genesis behind X Factor actually came from my first company, Fashion Project. I'd raised a little over 13 million for that one. 
and it was a secondhand clothing company. And I still remember in pitches, I would have to go in and give analogies about used cars and how if you think of like a Louboutin heel and the moment that you put it on and you walk out of the store, it's the same as if you bought a Porsche 911 and you drive it off the lot and it has you know, 10 miles on it, but all of a sudden the value is now depreciated instantly and someone could come and buy it for less than what it would have been, um, just those 10 previous miles. And so I was using those sorts of analogies because it was something that the partners understood, primarily the male partners. Um, and it really highlighted, I think, that lack of gender diversity. And so if you think about that, the perspective, especially at the early stages, and you're investing in things you understand and things that you love, uh, it's an interesting question of what all has been missed out there just because of the lack of diversity on the other side of the table. One of the things you're interested in is what you term Commerce 3.0. And the minute I understood what it was, it made complete sense to me. But explain to me what Commerce 3.0 is. So Commerce 3.0 is what happens next after e-commerce. So if you think about where we are now, the e-commerce experience is basically putting the catalog online. So you have photos of the items, you're interacting with those of clicking through, and then ultimately making that purchase decision but there isn't really anything beyond that. And so Commerce 3.0 is thinking about what can that shopping experience look like in the future? Is that video? Is that live shopping? Is that social shopping? That even extends all the way down to the infrastructure network. Can I get that within two hours? Like you have a company called Ohi in our portfolio that's creating an Instacommerce network to get things from point A to point B as quickly as possible. And so I think all of that is going to change. We've seen some of those changes over COVID, but really excited about the next two to three years and what e-commerce evolves into. I think it is that infrastructure, and I think this is what Amazon does so well, right, is this ability to find something online, get it to the person at a relatively low cost at an extremely high speed is something they do better than anyone. I can I can buy my object online from a variety of, of outlets, but Amazon is going to be the most frictionless of my choices. So I do think there's things that Amazon still can't do well. So there's a lot of brands who don't want to be on the Amazon marketplace because they have their brand, they want to own that customer experience. Direct-to-consumer brands are a big part of that. And so you're seeing those networks like Ohio pop up to be able to compete with Amazon and in some places do it even faster. I mean, they can get something to you within two hours, which is something that Amazon still can't do. Amazon or not, that is such the next challenge is the, you're absolutely right, that e-commerce is, I have some products, I put photographs of products, I have a drop down, do you want, you know, small, medium or large? Um, but it's the what happens next that is so exciting. I've interviewed, uh, you know, for instance, small robotics companies that are putting you know, robotic picking stations in the back of small grocery stores uh, so that those grocery stores can compete with the Safeway on demand sort of thing, that there's just huge possibilities ahead for these sorts of things. I think so too. So one of the recent investments that I did and I'm very excited about is a company called FloorFound and they're creating a re-commerce engine for returns. So I don't know if you've ever had this problem, but over COVID, I ordered a chair that online looked like a normal size chair. And when it showed up, it was basically the size of like three lazy boys combined because of the e-commerce problem of not, <laughs> not being able to see what you're truly getting. Um, and we've been trying to return this thing for, I don't even know, probably three or four months. And for some reason, it's just been absolutely impossible to get this out of our house. 
And what Floor Found is doing, they pitched me at a, a very opportune time, by the way, because I was struggling with this problem. But what Floor Found is doing is they're making that return process super easy. So they facilitate all of the returns for oversized items. And then the thing that I think is really cool is they then allow companies to relist those items on their site. So you could go back and somebody else who actually does want a chair the size of a rhinoceros um, <laughs> could go in and buy that chair and say, great, I love that. I know it's open box. It has two scratches on it. I'm going to purchase that directly off the retailer's site. And so it's taking that of secondhand commerce, but making it available on the primary website for retailers and allowing them to recoup some of that re revenue. Um, so that's an example of like where I think commerce is going, which is really exciting, keeping things out of landfills and giving consumers more options, which is great. This kind of swings us around to a question I had asked you about earlier, but you know, the decision, do you make this an X factor company or do you make this a Flybridge capital company? Floor found is Chris Richter and Ryan Matthews. Those are both guys. What was that? Cause this is an investment you made through Flybridge. Would you have made that investment through X factor if they had been women? Um, I probably, I would have done it through both um, with X factor we at least try to have one other partner on it as well. So I would have needed to have another investment partner help sponsor that with me, but they would have then gotten a check through X Factor and Flybridge as well. I guess, does it matter one way or the other on your end? I get that X Factor is designed to, to increase women entrepreneurs, but I'm trying to think, understand the decision-making on, on, on your side. Once you make that investment, does it make any difference where that check comes from? It really doesn't. I think the the big difference is that X Factor, we do 150K checks and that's it um, just based on model. And then Flybridge, those checks can also be much bigger. Why so small at X Factor? Is it, be, is it so that you can spread the wealth, so to speak, into more and, 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 and encourage more women startups? That's part of it. The other part is that the model is set up for all of our investing partners to be operators by day and investors by night. And so everyone is doing this in the margins of their day jobs. So if you look across the 22 partners, all of them are incredibly successful entrepreneurs. And what we had found is that there's a dollar amount threshold of which you feel like you need to be doing significantly more diligence and it becomes more of a professional investor role. Whereas the 150K is still something that people are comfortable making that decision after meeting with the founder you know, one or two times and using their own insights as to whether or not this would be a great investment for the fund. And so twofold, one, obviously we want more companies funded, but also we really want to keep true to that model of having current operators helping that next generation of future operators. And when you're doing due diligence over, you know, $150,000 or whatnot, this is something you can do during, during COVID, you say over Slack. Right. Yeah. So the entire fund operates over Slack, which is really fun. Um, so we have deal channels for all the different things we're looking at. Then once it becomes active in the portfolio, we switch that over to the portfolio channel and everyone operates virtually. And then we also have monthly check-in calls, um, individual partners as they're working on deals and then quarterly reviews as well. You are, if you're comfortable talking about it, about to experience something where you're going to have much more responsibility at home. Oh, uh, actually, fun fact, he came early. So I now have He a, came early. Yeah, so Your due date a, was two days from yeah, now. I now have a 12-day-old uh, 12 12 -day <laughs> baby boy, which is amazing. Um, and your first, right? 
Uh, yeah, it's it's my first. So you're getting no. getting me on a little bit less sleep than what you would have gotten maybe two weeks ago. Well, having having gone through it a long time ago, I, I'm surprised you're you're even putting sentences together. <laughs> uh, now, it's been amazing. We've gotten lucky. He's an amazingly good baby so far. Knock on wood. I don't want to. Wonderful. Don't jinx that. Well, that's 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 how nature gets you to get a second. Is is <laughs> it the first one's always great, and the second one that's that's where the trouble comes. Now, you you know, it often comes uh, or it's often discussed that that people ask women about their children and their home life and not men and 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 that that's you know somehow unfair uh i would you know if they could let me do a podcast about my kids i would i would talk about them nonstop because my sons are the bomb um but do you understand that 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 some people would be uncomfortable asking you about that and that's why i phrased are you okay talking yeah. about this um i'm super excited to talk about it and i think right for, <laughs> yeah i mean he's i i'm obviously biased but i think it's absolutely adorable uh, i'd also say from a career standpoint with venture one of the things that i love about that is the more things that you encounter and the more things that you have happen in your life the more problems yes. that you see that really need to be solved and so this is an area that I haven't had visibility into. And all of a sudden he's arrived and I'm like, oh, now I really understand why Tiny Organics is really important or the company that I'm looking at for you know, postpartum care. I get that. Um, and so it's been fun to see that open up a lot of opportunities as well. Um, but happy I could talk about him for, for hours right. also. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to save this clip of tape because, you know, when you uh, five years from now start, you know, a, a huge multinational Fortune 500 company that has something to do with parenting, uh, <laughs> this will be the the aha moment that you had where you said, oh, I had not been aware that there had been this problem. And now I'm going to I'm going to fill the, the gap that's needed there. There you go. Hey, uh, I'll need to sleep a couple more hours first. <laughs> And finally, if there's a, a woman listening who is kind of going to our original thesis, had, had been in the corporate world, is still in the corporate world, but now work from home, and is thinking, you know, I think I'm at a, an inflection point where I've always wanted to do a startup, you know, that does whatever. Uh, what would what would you say to her? And I don't mean, you know, from a Flybridge Capital point of view, but from a, an, an operator's point of view or a venture capitalist point of view, uh, you know, what thoughts would you give her? So my advice to her would be to find the problem that she's uniquely suited to solve. And so if there's something that's keeping her up at night that she absolutely feels like this is my thing, I need to go out and I want to work on this for the next you know, five, seven, 10 years of my life, go ahead and make that leap. And there's a lot of us that are here to provide mentorship and guidance. So one example of that is you can email hello at xfactor.ventures. And we look at all of those emails we try to respond back. Uh, we've actually funded a company that just came in blind through that email address. And so definitely feel free to reach out. Anna Palmer of Flybridge Capital and X Factor. Sand Hill Road is produced by Sean Myers under the leadership of Sarah Bueno and Stephanie Adruni. For more interviews with Silicon Valley's most influential entrepreneurs, check me out on TV at Press Here. That's Sunday mornings on NBC Bay Area and everywhere in the world on iTunes and at PressHereTV.com.